0: That's your that's,
1: sex in the city education for yeah, the day. The Samantha one would have been like, say it louder. Right. was <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like drag queen Samantha. <laughs> say it louder. <laughs> it's Christopher Walken, Samantha. <laughs> say it louder, please.
2: <laughs> oh my god. I am Samantha. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy.
1: I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in a cesspool of spoilers. As we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film.
0: Since this is a cesspool for spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie we're explaining this week, which is Serenity 2019, tune out and tune back in once you've seen it. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies.
2: Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start by talking about what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with some watchlist ads and recommendations.
0: So, who wants to start off the watch list for the week? Okay, we've all, all see Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Should we
0: start with the one we've all seen, which is The Goldfinch? Yeah. Sure. We saw it. We did. Kimmy and I saw it. Courtney, you've only seen it once? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I probably won't see it again in theaters. So yeah. I would like to sit on it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Maybe wrap it up in newspaper and then hide it under oh my, my bed gosh. and then buy a storage unit for
0: it. And, and then, then someone'll have traded it and you <laughs> won't have known this whole time and then you can't even watch it. Spoilers for the goldfinch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I want I want my relationship with the movie The Goldfinch to be like Theo's relationship with the painting The Goldfinch. And then maybe like 10 actually, years from you'll now, have to let it go. That's super hot guy whose name I can't pronounce will come to me and be like, I'm so Are sorry. you talking about old Finn Wolfhard? Yes. He's cute. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with him. I will. I refuse yes. to learn his name, but
0: I love him. It's old Finn Wolfhard. It's
1: old Finn Wolfhard. He's from
2: Dunkirk. It's old Boris. No, it's old Boris. Old Boris. <laughs> but he is from Dunkirk. He's the yeah. French guy. I'm not gonna see Dunkirk ever again. <laughs> me either. <laughs> I literally don't remember him
0: in that. It's a bad movie.
2: Mm. It is a bad movie. Anyways, but, the goldfinch. <laughs> should should we start since we since yeah since I, 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 I might, might jump in, start. but I want to hear I your thoughts. start. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was really hyped to see this movie because Courtney loves the book, and I actually bought the book and started reading like the first couple pages. Oh, you did. Yeah, and I really liked it. And just that trailer like mm-hmm. made me cry. It's like so good. <laughs> I was ready to be torn up. Okay, everybody is pissed about this movie, right? It's hysterical. Everyone <laughs> I'm still is like, laughing. How dare this movie be made? It's a travesty, it's fucking sucks, blah blah blah. Okay, I didn't hate it. yeah. And I liked watching and sitting through it. And like some people left the theater like while we were I sitting noticed there that. I was like, this oh. is extreme. Yeah, I just I, I really liked the radiohead moment and by jumping into the mm-hmm. pool. it was like great.
0: Can't have a coming of age
1: without
2: a pool. Right? (laughs) Adolescents just be in pools. I think that my biggest criticism is that I wasn't really affected by anything. I think, and this might be, you know, why book lovers like it more than people who haven't, is because I feel like we only got, like, really shallow glimpses of what appeared to be really complex characters. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't get invited in. And we're kind of looking at everything from the storefront. Mm -hmm. Because it's a really big book, and it's a really long movie, and there's, like, a lot of shit that you have to pack into it and There's a lot
0: of, not even just that we're moving through events of his life, but all very important stories of his life. Mm -hmm. Like, complex, lengthy, important-to-his-character stories that we're getting through. So it's, like, it takes a long time to do that. It takes a
2: very long time. (laughs) yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I wish that we just got to, you know, dive in deeper with all of that. But how can you, I guess? I think it would have
1: made a great miniseries. Like an the HBO I agree. series I actually
2: read a review that said that it would make a good episodic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, don't, I didn't read this about any criticism, but a large portion of the movie is about these really high-class, upper-crust New Yorkers and all of their interests and societal patterns and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and I can understand why viewers might not be able to identify with that but you kind of have to take a moment to stand in the character's shoes and understand that this is their culture Mm -hmm. and this is how they're brought up and let yourself kind of go on the journey with that and accept that you know high art is something that they're incredibly passionate about like and furniture making yeah
1: (laughs) furniture making yeah
2: like that (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know because all of his like passionate about the furniture making kind of melts into his appreciation for the art and that's why it's such a devastation mm-hmm. to the guy he's working for that he desecrated it in yeah. that way and I just I understand why people might be like well what's the big deal it's just a painting it. it's not it's just a bird <laughs> yeah I kind of accepted that but I can see why people might not be able to
1: for sure I mean a snotty little child being interrogated by the police and going it's a Rembrandt <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a whole other world. I was yeah, getting it, it called does, to the yeah.
0: principal's office and, Mommy, you took me to the Met. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The most touching moment for me, which I wish I could remember the line, maybe you'll know it because I assume it was in the book, but maybe not, is when he's trying to convince... What's her name? Pippa? Mm-hmm. He's trying to convince Pippa that they should be together when they're at the restaurant together and they're both crying and she says if one of us falls, the other will too. Mm -hmm. Because it's like they went through something that was too similar, that Mm -hmm. if one of them doesn't make it, the other one isn't stable enough to lift them up. And that broke my heart. Also,
2: the thing that brought them together is the thing that's also keeping them apart. That sucks. Like, just to, in conclusion of that, I didn't hate it, Mm -hmm. but it lacked too much for me to care about it. And I I feel like that's really unfortunate
0: yeah i I went, <sighs> I, went your <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth during the movie and felt very like out of body in a way because at moments I was thinking to myself, "Nope, I don't think I like this this is this is what am I watching this part for right now, and then I would go back to feeling like I was on this journey. It almost, because it was so slow, a part of me liked it because I felt like I was really investing time into something. Like I was, I don't know, sitting down to go on this ride with this story. Mm -hmm. But that's also, yeah, it's not a rewatchable ride. It's something I'll have to wait a while before I want to go on again. All right, so moving on. Yes. Ooh, so this is now
1: going to be called... uh, Bunker Time.
2: Bunker oh, Time. Oh,
1: Bunker Time, yeah. These are these are two movies that I watched this week, one with Kimmy and one with Kayleen, that are about bunkers. Yeah. <laughs> and the times that we spend in them. So, but I'll let Kimmy talk because she's really excited about
2: this. I am really excited. Okay, me and Corny watched Take Shelter, which is a movie starring Michael Shannon, mm. supporting actress Jessica Chastain. Right, okay. It's been on my watch list for a really, really long time. This movie... I made notes because I yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. It's so good. It's honestly so good. <laughs> and it's not like so good in the way that I'm like, going to freak out about other movies, but I just think it's so well done. Yeah. And it has beautiful shots. Like the cinematography is amazing. Okay. And there's very little dialogue mm-hmm. during the whole film. It's mostly action, which I think is so cool. Okay. Because, and this brings me to my next point, it's not flooding us with story, you Mm -hmm. know, and exposition. And all of the exposition in this film is established in such clever ways. It's about a man, Michael Shannon. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like in a young marriage with Jessica, and they have like a young daughter. He starts having these horrible prophetic dreams about an apocalyptic storm coming. Mm -hmm. And they like torture his sleep. Like they're really physically... Taxing dreams where he just wakes up in a sweat. He like wets the bed. It's oh, that so, seems so sad. It's really sad. He's a
1: grown man. Yeah, and yeah. It's just really.
2: And they're like in the Midwest, and they're very like they don't talk about their feelings. They don't yeah. talk about their weaknesses and stuff. And everything's got to be hunky dory. And
1: they kind of have financial problems, so it's like you need to be the strong man that goes to your job and does this and that. And yeah,
2: from having these prophetic dreams, he secretly starts kind of like deciding to make a doomsday shelter. We're like suddenly learning about things, about their history. Mm. And I don't know what else to say about it. Um, I will say, just watching it
1: with Kimmy, because I'd already seen it, mm -hmm. um, and just seeing her get riled up was really a treat. Oh, that's fun. Just as the movie goes on, she's like, this storm better be real, it better come. Oh, (laughs) Only only because he's alienating himself so much, and it's a small community. Mm -hmm. He has a job that, like, is on the line because of his reactions to these dreams. And the whole time, Kimmy's just like, if there's no storm, I'm going to be so mad. I'm just like,
2: (laughs) sitting there like, please let him be validated. And then I was like, Kimmy, that means everyone's going to die. And she goes, I don't care, so long as he's right. Yes, you should definitely watch it, Kayleen, because me and Courtney had a slight debate about the ending. Oh. Oh. I don't want to spoil it, but...
1: But But what we will say, because we'll spoil the director's commentary, because that was so fun. It was so funny. Kimmy and I were debating and it's like, I'm not even going to say what kind of ending it's like. So anyways we're watching it and we <laughs> have this whole debate as the credits are rolling. Uh-huh. I was like, you know what Kimmy? We're going to the menu. I bet there's a director's commentary. We go. There is. It's with the director and Michael Shannon. Whoa. Mm-hmm. We fast forward all the way to the ending and we're watching it and the two of them are talking about like just some... Did they get in a debate about no. it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> They're talking about some just nonsense nonsense. Thing related to the big pivotal scene that's at the end. Uh-huh. They're talking about something completely unrelated, and then you know because they're watching the movie, and then they get quiet as the big thing is happening, and they're quiet, and they're quiet, and the big thing happens, and the credits start, and they go, you know, I bet people are gonna want us to say something about what just happened, <gasps> but we're not gonna. Ah! <laughs> we just died. It's
2: so <laughs> funny we racking up. Good. <laughs> And I did. I did try to research some more and see if it's some. There's some other interview. And you found out I'm right. No, I didn't. They they stand by not well, discussing yeah. the I was, ending. I
0: was gonna say, is it like I'm not meaning the ending is like Inception, but, but I like that, that where they won't tell you. Yeah, yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah, cool.
0: So moving on to bunker number two. Bunker number two. To your right, you will see the John Goodman bunker.
1: (laughs) It's it's much better. It's beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. The Michael Shannon bunker is not even, it (laughs) does
2: not compare. There's so much legroom in the John Goodman bunker.
0: Uh, It is just very cool that the whole time, of course, you're going back and forth not knowing whether or not it's happening. And I just love that until the very end, you still don't know. Like, she puts on the whole suit to go outside, and you don't know if anything's going on, and then she takes the helmet off, and you think, oh, okay, I guess it's not, but then it is, but yet he's still a murderer. Mm -hmm. What's going
1: on? (laughs) They really play with their audience in that one. Yeah, yeah. She's kidnapped by a psycho. Actually, there's an apocalypse. He's not a psycho. Also, he shaves his face for
0: her. He's a
1: psycho. He's a psycho, but the apocalypse is real. And then it's... No apocalypse. He was just a psycho. JK, apocalypse! Yeah. Ah, Aliens! Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: liked it, and I definitely said if John Goodman wasn't there, that'd be the dopest bunker in the um, apocalypse. (laughs) If
1: John Goodman wasn't
0: there. Yeah. I mean, like, I'd kick it with John Goodman, but not this version of John Goodman. (laughs) Oh, no. But yes, I did like it. I'm glad that I watched it. Cool. Awesome. All right, next, we're going to be talking about the movie Fighting With My Family, which was my second um, secret... Present DVD from Courtney. Aww. it was the feel good <laughs> movie. That's what you get when you go off and make
1: a movie. You make I, I want to
0: watch it. You can watch it another time. I own it.
2: Just watch it. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: But it was very good. Um, here's what I said because Courtney gave me those little quotes. I have to finish. Any dream can come true if you've got enough. And I said, compassion and British charm. Anyway, I loved fighting with my family, and I cried like six times while we watched it, and I didn't mean to be crying. There were just so many happy moments, and there were also sad moments, and Florence is so good, and when I watched the trailer for this movie, I wasn't sure if it was going to be good or if it was going to be cheesy. I thought maybe the writing would be shitty, even if it was like nice and Mm feel-goody, but the writing was pretty good. It's from the creator of the original Office. Oh, you told me that, Stephen I think. Merchant, yeah. Yeah, I thought the writing was pretty good. There was nothing with it that I had complaints about. I would say, honestly, mm-hmm. the thing that I had <laughs> the most, the biggest downfall of the movie for me was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He was, knew you were going to say that. Because you can tell that he was the producer. He was like, oh, put me in there doing this, it'll be so funny. It's like, you're kind of ruining my vibe of, like, Vince Vaughn was great. If I thought he amazing. was amazing and very convincing as his guy. And Dwayne was funny at times and good at times, but a lot of the time he was just kind of pushed in there because he's the rock. and Thankfully I, only in two scenes. Yeah.
1: But that movie is easily in my top five of the year. I loved it so
0: much. It's definitely going to be in my top ten of the year. Yeah. It? Um, it just... There was this one moment where... Like, I get emotional during movies, but I think when I'm with other people, I try to keep it together a little bit more. Unless I'm in a movie theater, then I don't really care, because it's dark and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, so we're just sitting on my couch watching this, me and Courtney, and there's this one scene that, I don't even remember what scene it was. You know what? I think the first scene that I got emotional is when she goes to the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to be, it was so early in the movie, and I was just like, fighting really hard for the tears to stay in my head. I was like, what the
2: fuck, Courtney?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first of many cries. Um, it's still a feel-good movie. Yeah, yeah. it made me feel... And, uh, and the movie ends and I'm crying and she's like, do you feel good? I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And then there's, like, footage at the end of the real girl. Is it a true story? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> It was great. <laughs> That's so cool. Highly recommend.
1: Yay. Yeah. I watched a movie with Kayleen at our favorite theater. The Rooftop Cinema Club. Woo! It's where you sit on a rooftop with headphones and uh, watch the best movies of your childhood. Honestly,
0: the worst part of that is that watching Halloween Town today, we wanted to talk so much and so we kept having to like move our headphones out of the way. Uh, we talked a
1: lot. Yeah. But we also brought some snacks to the Rooftop Cinema Club because of our nephews. (gasps) Our nephews? The nephews? The nephews. The nephews? The nephews. nephews. We... Yes. Yeah, you go first. (laughs) Just, they planned these amazing evenings for the fall time, and the episode was released today, which was the same day that we had already bought tickets in advance for, for Halloween Town. Yeah. Wherein they planned different fall evenings with different themes, and just... My heart is so warmed that they planned a, a witchy night around us because, so sweet. yeah, dat me. And <laughs> I love Practical Magic. We already um, are planning on going to see a, a double feature of Practical Magic and The Craft.
2: These are the Take 3 movie podcast
0: Boys. I was just going to say, so if you guys were listening last week when we did Ready or Not, we kind of hinted at a collab, but now we've officially talked on the gram and they gave us permission. We're literally recording this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seconds away we from have talking to them. permission to say that we are going to drop our episode in November. It's on The Lobster, if y'all have seen that movie. If not, go watch it now. You have almost a whole month to go see it. Actually, a little overact. Yeah, you have a a little over a month to go see the lobster, and we wanted to collab with the boys very bad. And they came up with this idea, which is so simple, it almost makes me mad that we didn't think about it. So, because of this, this little uh, shenanigans of us thinking maybe we'll fly to the East Coast, (laughs) the boys, much smarter than we, (laughs) said, How about we switch formats? (laughs) Which is so much smarter and a great idea. So, we instantly jumped on board. So if you guys haven't listened to Take Three, a movie podcast, uh, go do that, and you'll see that their format and our format is going to swap for The Lobster, so one of them will be explaining it to the other, while we will do their format of our, our thoughts before the movie, our thoughts immediately following the film, and then we'll go do some research and talk all about it. And I think The Lobster is going to be a great movie oh, for research. you are ghosts. I can't
2: wait. I, I can't cannot wait. wait. Yes.
0: Yeah, So I'm super looking forward to it. I hope all the listeners are as well. Because I can't
2: wait. And do yourselves a favor and go listen to their podcasts. They're really smart. One of my
0: favorites was The Matrix.
2: Because that film's very near and dear to me. There were some really
0: sick fun facts.
2: My favorite was obviously their Lord of the Rings episode. Oh, sick. I mean... uh, That's your jam. It's my jam and I'm never going to give up an opportunity (laughs) to, to listen to people talk about it. Yeah, And they had very nice... Awesome things to say. About I would just it.
0: like to say, and this is me being a jerk um, b- uh-huh. and taking your thunder. But boys, you always are asking if people have suggestions, and one day I think you should do one or three of the Back to the Future movies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: Ooh. <laughs> I'll say my my favorite episode of theirs in a moment. But Kimmy, if you were to suggest a movie to our boys, what would you suggest? Ooh. <laughs>
2: I feel like they're so organized that they already have, like, the entire two next, next two years planned. <laughs> right, but, like, in three years, what do you want? <laughs> in, in three years, I would want them to do, I would want them to do us. Ooh, I mm-hmm. think, no, you guys, I think they mentioned that. Really, they're yeah, going to they, do it? That was I before they their, mentioned that. Was it before
0: their quick take days where they wanted to do it? It was, like, last week or the week before they mentioned that they might do that, I
2: think. So that, we might get that. I know that we all had such interesting theories Dude. around that, mm-hmm. and I would just, I would hope that when they go and research it, they validate, <laughs> they yeah. validate everything. That, that was, that was one where, like,
0: honestly, when I think about how we started doing Simply Spoilers, and we've only done two so far, but, like, that was one of the movies that really, God, I wish we had come up with that idea before that movie mm-hmm. came out, because we couldn't stop talking about it. We just, we texted about it for, like, three hours after the film. I was literally, like, in bed about to go to sleep, and I would think of something and text it to them, and they were like, oh, also this and this. Do it, boys. Just know that we talked about it for ages.
1: Yes. Um, so my favorite episode of theirs is... Probably right now, because um, I've talked about it enough, is 10 Cloverfield Lane, so yeah. I don't want to talk about it anymore, because I'm, I'm scared they think that's the only thing I've listened <laughs> to. <laughs> and maybe like, my first, pose, but another one that I absolutely adore is Hereditary. Their Hereditary mm-hmm. episode yeah. was Uncomparable. It was amazing. Yeah, it was
2: amazing. And
1: and like I I adore Midsummer probably yeah. more than Hereditary at this I, point. I for
2: sure.
0: I haven't. We seen, haven't, seen I haven't seen Hereditary. Hereditary. <laughs> I'm a jerk.
1: <laughs> but I love Hereditary as a movie, and they're... every single thing they had to say, I just was like screaming in my car while driving, and I was like yes, yes, yes. Um, so that's my favorite of theirs. And then if I were to suggest something to them and throw it out there, which I just kind of want them to do like like a like a women's week. <laughs>
0: oh, that's nice.
1: Where they do Titanic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I could honestly I could see them
1: doing Titanic. So, boys, the gauntlet's been thrown. Do those movies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Question time. So, this week's movie is Serenity, the 2019 version, not the Firefly movie. I don't want to give anything away about it yet because, you know, a lot's going to go down in this, and I'm excited to explain it to you. But a couple things I picked out for questions. Alright, first question is favorite movie where the protagonist's goal is murder?
2: My answer is My Friend Dahmer. That's um. my honorable mention. Oh, it is? Yeah. yeah. Really liked it when we saw it. I mm-hmm. think that that kid who was like from Disney Channel prior? Austin Alley. Yeah.
0: yeah he's cool. Fucking
2: crushed it. It was like incredibly unsettling, that yeah. whole movie. Yeah, And he doesn't murder anybody in the film, but the goal the entire time is him wanting to murder, mm-hmm. discovering his desire to murder. We see
1: every single seed planted. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yes. and
1: It's almost an unconscious goal. Mm-hmm.
2: That, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it.
1: Uh, my answer is a movie I've only seen once. In, I think, 2006, maybe, at one of those Fathom events, wherein I was forced to babysit Aaron (laughs) and take them to go see this, and actually, I loved it, and then I read all of the manga that go with it. Um, It's Death Note, and it is not the Netflix one, obviously, because garbage. Didn't even touch that. Wow, Um, I didn't even see that. Yeah, I loved it, Um, and, I mean, Aaron was the real fan but anyways, yeah, so the, the whole premise of it, if you don't know what it's about, it's about um, this boy named Light, and he finds this notebook that's called Death Note, uh-huh. and pretty much the rules state, so long as you write someone's name in this book while you're picturing them, they will die. Oh. And so it starts off with, with you know, honest intentions of, I'm going to eradicate the world of, of people who are evil, and of people who commit crime, and I'm yeah. going to get rid of them, and so he starts by writing down criminals' names as like a test but obviously you can see why that would get out of hand. Right. This is definitely a young teenage boy who thinks they have good intentions. Yeah, yeah. And Who thinks that they've been,
0: he's essentially got godlike powers. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's playing the sins with everybody. Okay, my answer for this question, I'm only going to give one honorable mention because you guys were so disciplined. Um, <laughs> my honorable mention is Looper. Okay. Because that's his whole job, is to go out and kill people. I've only seen this movie once, you guys, so mm. I feel like I'm going to butcher it if I talk too much about it but I just remember very vividly what happens at the end. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but he's like, I closed the loop, and it's fucking brilliant. And then my real answer, which I have talked about a little bit before, I think it was an honorable mention for something else in the past, but Thoroughbreds. Yeah, because... I love that one to you. <laughs> yeah. Did you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had some other ones that like maybe are even more fitting because they're more about the murder. This one is you know, about the friendship and about their personalities and just getting through life with, you know, intense anxiety and, like, kind of sociopathic tendencies mm-hmm. for the other character. Um, God, it's a riot the whole time, and you don't know if they're going to go through with it or not, and you'll just have to watch it to find out if they do. But but the, the essence of the movie ends up being that they're wondering if they're going to kill Anya Taylor-Joy's stepdad because he's a dick. I like that you chose that one, because that is only about one murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the the
1: goal of that one mm-hmm. person, as opposed to a serial killer who's, like, on the hunt for yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's my answer. Question number two is, best father-son movie relationship? All right. I think you have mine, Kimmy. Yeah. So, I, I have a couple, but I think the one Kimmy's gonna say is one on my
2: list. Yeah. Just because I predicted this. As far as, like, the best... <laughs> on screen. Wow, what is happening? Father-son relationship. You, you putting that much weight on it? Now I'm
0: second-guessing myself.
2: No, we have the same one.
0: Okay, it's, I think it's Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, it's Call Me uh... By Your Name. But, yeah,
2: <laughs> you, you go ahead, but I'll, I, I'll, I'll add. This is, it's just such a great relationship because I don't have evidence. (laughs) I'm sorry, but see the last five minutes of
1: the movie. There's evidence. Cite your sources. Call me by name.
2: It's just it's that monologue that he has to his son about love and loss and her and relationships and stuff and and I just love that this film is about romance and not he's gay. You know, it's about it's it's about sexuality
0: and romance and. I am a straight woman and I watched it and I was like this is the sexiest film I've ever fucking watched. Yes.
2: And I just I think that it's just a plus that the parents are like, "Uh yeah, that with the exact same sentiments."
0: Exactly. You they know? don't they don't treat it like, "Oh, you're dealing with this thing." They treat it as, "I'm sorry that you have to deal with this split." They're yeah. European. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They are European.
2: <laughs> yeah, and just like I, that fucking monologue was just a kicker. It's Mm -hmm. so good. That Mm -hmm. actor's so good. He's in a lot of things.
0: Michael Stolberg. He's just really creeping up. I didn't know who he was until that year, and he was in everything that year. He was in everything that year, and I was
2: like, Mm you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a a good
0: scene. It's a fun fact for listeners, I suppose. If you're keeping track of facts about us as people, (laughs) it's the only audiobook I've ever listened to, and I listened to it on a recommendation of my cousin because she said... Army Hammer does the audiobook, which really intrigued me, but is also a little confusing because the book is from Elio's point of view, and so mm-hmm. he'll say things that Elio says, but it's Army Hammer's voice, and then it, it's very strange. He's but it was talking awesome. about
1: Oliver in the third person. It is really
0: yeah. weird. Um, but one of the biggest things I was excited about for listening to the book is to see if they have that big speech, and they do. And I
2: cried listening to the fucking book. (laughs) I know, it's great. I cried too, dude. Yeah. But I and I read it. You read it, yeah. Yeah, I was on an airplane when I finished it and I was like, don't look at me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The person next to you is like, this girl's very emotional.
2: It was really good. It's just so well written. Wow, we've all read
0: it then. That's fun. That is fun. Okay, I would like Courtney to go next.
2: About time.
0: Oh.
1: Rachel McAdams Isn't and Donald Leeson. also The Time
0: Traveler's Wife? Yes. Okay, Isn't so. one of those
1: bad? Time Traveler's Wife. Time Traveler's and Wife is the bad one? And they're both about time-traveling husbands. I get Whoa. those yes. two
0: confused so much, and I knew one of them was bad, yes. and so every time you talk about About Time, I keep thinking, Courtney, that was a bad movie. It's not, and I think everyone thinks that's what
1: About Time is, and it's like, okay, her husband can time travel, and he's going to go in and out of her life and it's will oh, come back husband where'd you go that's yeah. literally what time I travelers seen life either. is either i just
0: know that one of them was bad
1: okay so about time is amazing because She never knows he's a time traveler. That's Mm. not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is that all of the men in this family have the ability to travel through time at Mm. will. It's not the time traveler's wife. He can't control it. He's just like, oh, the cosmos have taken me. I'm coming
2: on. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And she's like, my husband. He's like, I was shot by a hunter. (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching that fucking movie. Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: It's stupid. Anyways. About Time, though, is so beautiful because it's about the dad giving his son this gift. And the son doesn't use it necessarily for evil. It's not just, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. It's about kind of mastering it to make the most of his family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so gorgeous. And I just... I watched it over the summer and I could not stop crying as Aww. I was watching it. There's this final monologue about like what this dad is like telling his son and about how you should be using it. And I just was weeping because... They're so connected and the dad has experienced everything that the son has. And he, like, comes to him at different times and is like, here's what you should do with your gift. You should, you should experience every day twice so that you live the whole day without any time travel and then you just go back and live it again. And Aww. so it's like, experience your day with all of its ups and downs that it has and then go back and just be a better person for it. Aww. Go back and if you're stressed out in the morning because you're running late to work, pause and kiss
0: your wife.
2: Oh. Go to
1: work, and when things don't go the way you planned, know that life goes on. And you already
0: have seen the end of the day. You know you make it through. You know it. you make it through. It's, just
1: so... <laughs> Aww. it's so beautiful because it's all about their relationship, and it's Bill Nye and mm-hmm. Donald Gleason, and it's just so beautiful. And they have these intimate conversations and long walks together, and these stunning shots, and all these just really specific moments that you just want to watch and just puddle up with and oh, it's it's a beautiful nice. movie i can't i can't say enough about how it is not the time traveler's line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cannot stress enough Alrighty, kaylee in your turn okay uh, big daddy's my honorable mention because at the end of the movie he doesn't end up being his dad it's not even like i adopted you it's like oh shit this is your real dad he's over there Uh, but he's such a good father figure to this kid. He doesn't know how to be a dad, and he thinks it's gotta be his responsibility, and so he just takes it on himself to be the best parent to this kid. And yeah, it's not conventional parenting, which is why the movie's so funny. And it's, like, conversations that we've had before about, like, what are we gonna let our kids do? Like, how much freedom should we give them? And he just lets his kid do whatever because he knows that he's looking out for him and he's gonna be safe but he can dress how he wants and he can, like, do whatever he wants and they just have, like, a blasty blast together and it's so cute and it's sad when you find out that it's not his actual kid. Mm -hmm. My actual answer is Liar Liar and the thing with both Big Daddy and with Liar Liar is that, yeah, they are comedies and, yes, they get ridiculous. Like, that's... The main point of the movie is to be a comedy. But the reason that they... Fit so well and that they end up lasting so long like why people still love them is because they both have heart at the end of both of those movies i think if you watch them today you would cry because as a kid i didn't i just saw them for the comedy and thought they were funny and oh they get cute at the end but as an adult it's like these are real men trying to be fathers when they don't know how to be and that's why for liar liar I almost didn't pick this one because, for a lot of the movie, he doesn't seem like a good father, but he loves his son so much and he just doesn't know how to be one. And when he realizes all of his flaws and, of course, gets the spell cast on him, he then understands what it is he's doing wrong and what he needs to do better to be a father. And this little kid loves him the whole time, regardless of what he's doing, right or wrong. And then at the end, Finally, he knows how to be a good dad, and they love each other. And it's very heartwarming. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I like Fire answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we're getting into the actual movie.
2: Lincoln's and Whiskey.
0: Alright, we just watched the trailer for Serenity, so these girls have something to guess on. What are your predictions for 2019's Serenity, starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway? All these hot people are going to die. Whoa. <laughs> There's so many people in this movie. I mean, yeah. all, it's a lot of big names for sure, but all the big names, that's like all the characters.
1: I was really pleasantly surprised to see Jeremy Strong. yeah oh he's great who is that that's the skinny guy yeah from big short and succession yeah so i've
0: seen him in in like an ass ton of stuff and i didn't recognize his face i was like i feel like i've seen you somewhere turns out he's in a lot of things He's in a lot of things yeah and then jason clark i feel like is same thing he's he's a face guy yeah he's
1: always in war movies i'm like that's Mm. your face Okay, so it's what it seems like is that island looked very fake. It looked pretty mm. CGI. Like, I don't think we are on an actual... At times we were, but I thought there was, like, a volcano of some sorts. It just...
2: Okay. It didn't look totally
1: realistic to me.
2: Whoa. Whoa. That's the direction <laughs> that you're going? <laughs> you think it's, like, some kind of cyber situation? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm saying from a
0: filmmaker's standpoint, oh. that
2: island looked like it was made out uh. of like a
0: piano. <laughs> Okay, so for listeners, if, if nobody knows about this movie... All that I knew going in is that it's fucking bonkers. And so I love that Kimmy is like, Cyber Universe! Because, <laughs> yeah, makes some outlandish predictions, you guys. Oh, well, ooh, fun. Okay, can we, oh, I, my favorite game is when we make up their names. Ooh. Oh.
1: So, her name is definitely Serena. That's why it's called Serena. <laughs> oh, God. That's <laughs> <laughs> so lame.
2: Matthew <laughs> McConaughey's name is, like, Tex. Tex. I was gonna oh, like, did
0: you say trick and you said Tex? I was gonna say
2: trip, yeah.
0: Trip. Oh, I like trip. Dude, those are good. Oh, uh, I was gonna say Tricks. though, how funny would it be, it's not her name, but what if her name was just straight up Serenity?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it's gonna be some basic bitch name like
2: Rachel.
0: It's Diane's. Karen.
2: <laughs> oh, that's worse! That's as bad as it gets! Diane Lane's name is Diane Lane. No, but No, somewhere. no, Hers.
0: Hers is crate. Like, hers is really like, proper. Oh. Give me the first letter.
2: Georgette.
0: C. Okay. Celeste. No, but Cecilia. Close. It's like Celeste. Celeste. Constance. Oh. oh, I would have gotten there like in <laughs> ten more guesses. <laughs> okay, Constance.
1: Constance. Um, anyways, what do you think this movie is, Kimmy?
2: Well, there's gonna be a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think that they're going to... the
1: movie, it turns into 47 Meters down.
2: <laughs> I think that, since I know that the whole press about this is that there's going to be a big bonkers twist. Yeah. Alright. And so Anne Hathaway's like, Matthew McConaughey, please kill my husband. He's abusive. He's a maniac. And really... She's the one pulling all the strings yeah. and she fucking gets Matthew McConaughey's ass killed for some, or tries to, and also like her husband's in on it. I think that's kind of, or like to frame him for murder so that she can get his ass or something like that. Like that that
0: they're making it seem like it's her and Matthew against her husband, but really it's her and her husband against Matthew. Yeah.
2: Something like that. Or just her against him or something.
0: What do you think, based on all the people you saw in the trailer, can you give me some predictions on everyone's relationship to each other? Yes.
2: Matthew McConaughey is the hitman. Jamon is the friend. Of who? Of Matthew McConaughey. Okay. And he's going around saying, like, I'm there with you all the way, but you're getting in too deep, buddy.
0: Why do you think Anne is asking Matthew, of all people, to kill her husband?
2: Because he's kind of like the guy, the the go to guy. Yeah. He's done some stuff in his past. He's got a checkered past and he knows how to make people disappear or something like that. Jeremy Strong is. I feel like because Anne Hathaway and Jason Clark are like classy, kind of rich people, he looked like he was in on it with them and he's Mm. the one who's like, you know, and you can't beat Anne Hathaway like that. I don't know. Okay. I'm really. (laughs) <laughs> really shooting blanks? Her? Yeah, she he like inspects her body and he says, "What's that?" And she says, "Just a scratch." Then okay. he whips his belt off like right, he's gonna right, whip I her forgot. or something.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So my theory would be that the two of them come to this island and they they bring their Jason trap. and Anne. Jason and Anne. What's Jason's name? Frank. Frank and Karen come to this remote island they've heard so much about because it's just like an elite tourist destination of it's, it's, the gems of the earth will be there for you. Um, And Jamon is like an actual, like, islander. Okay. And then Matthew McConaughey, meanwhile, is like this American cowboy that's come along he's like, I'm here to find the biggest shark and uh, the locals love me. They took me in. I'm and then a shark killer. Diane Lane is like, oh, these youngins.
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> Who do you think she has a connection to and what is it? She's
2: for sure Matthew's mom. Ma- yeah, Matthew's mom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: so she <laughs> I'm guessing. Even though they're not like right. essentially five. the same age. I changed my mind. And she's, they're like five she's, years apart. Age. Matthew's No they're not. They're not five I'm years. I'm not kidding. Ooh, I looked
0: ooh. it up. They're like five years apart. Five. She is they're like ten. No, it's not even ten. No.
1: How old is he? Because she's like pushing 70.
2: I don't she's think not. she is. Oh no, she's not. <laughs> I don't think she is.
1: Okay, right. actually she'd be younger than Robin Williams because they were in Jack together.
2: I think that she's his like ex-wife or something like I
1: that. think they're lovers. Okay, okay, okay. Diane Lane is 54. Oh my gosh, she's a baby. <laughs> I take back <like>, everything. <laughs> I was thinking of like Knights of Road Damphy. Damn. Damphy. <laughs> 70, Where Richard bruh. Gere is like, we're old and on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I looked this shit up. I swear it was like four years apart Okay, never mind. They're lovers. <laughs> Caitlin, any woman over the age of thirty is a dinosaur and a mom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Any man under
1: 60 is a piece. (laughs) Isn't that sad?
2: (laughs) Anyone under
0: 30, or over 30, an old maid. I am so
1: sorry to be
0: another cog in the patriarchy machine. (laughs) (laughs) You know what?
1: Diane Lane is his much younger, hot (laughs) college girlfriend. (laughs) College. (laughs)
2: Upset! Oh my goodness! Uh, Oh, I I for sure. I think that's around along the right vein. I think that she's like, I already said it. I think that she's his ex wife or something. Okay, I think still still, harbors like care. I think they're still
1: banging. Um. So, anyways, these two come to the island with their travel agent, Jeremy Strong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> he does look like a. Drama. Who's there
1: for a reason? Like he's like, I'll be your guide to the secret treasures, <laughs> and Anna's like, the secret treasures are Matthew McConaughey stabbing my husband and feeding mm. him to sharks. Um, so that's the goal is to kill Jason Clark because money. Like I feel like a lot of this comes down to money, mm. and I feel like maybe at the end of the day, the twist is like that she knew
0: Matthew from a long time ago. Now that we've had so many guesses, I would like each of you to guess what the father-son relationship is and what is important about it.
2: Matthew McConaughey's dad is the shark. (laughs) (laughs) I was born of the ocean. His dad is Poseidon. (laughs) That's really hard because I don't think that we saw the dad in the trailer. I will say the trailer does not give you the image of the father-son relationship. I honestly don't want to predict anymore because I feel like I got everything wrong and I don't think that, I don't know anything about the film. I feel like I could not be more off. I just,
1: I I feel like this island has mystical properties. Whoa. It doesn't seem like a normal island. It seems like so remote that they're in a different dimension or that no one knows where they are and so. I don't know, man. I don't want to guess anymore. Okay. He's
0: exhausted. (laughs) Yes. I've used all my brain power. Okay, cool. I'm excited to know, though. Yeah. This yeah. Before we start, I would like to kind of give a preface for how I'm going to tell you this story. Okay. Because we have done several movies now where stuff is twisty or you're trying to guess stuff. And it's hard because when you're watching a movie, it gives you clues, right? Of course. And when I'm like when any of us are explaining a movie, we don't wanna drop we certain. We don't wanna drop certain clues, but we don't wanna withhold. So we try to give the just the right amount of clues. But it's even harder to do in an explanation than in a movie. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to tell you things from my point of view. So like of course I'm gonna tell you shit as it happens in the movie, but if you guys hear a weird example of something I just want you to know that this is from my point of view. So all these notes I took as I watched it because Wikipedia and IMDb were shit. Mm -hmm. And I decided not to go back and edit.
2: Mm -hmm. As in,
0: anything I wrote down at the time I thought might be important. Awesome. So it's kind of, it might still be misleading, but I just wanted to give you guys more meat to kind of guess what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just want you to know that this is from my watching perspective, so it might still be misleading. But I would love for you guys to guess, because I also wrote down, as I was watching it, I wrote down guesses, and you guys, I guessed this movie. You mm. guessed it? I did. All but the that way was, through? But that was because I was fucking skeptical the whole goddamn time. <laughs> and so I have moments in my notes where I wrote, and I highlighted them so I wouldn't mention them to you. But I highlighted moments where I guess certain things. They're not all right. Ah. Some of them are wrong. But I just, I like kept them in there because I would love it if like one of you guessed something and I had it in my notes as a guess and then Mm. it's wrong. So if I say something and it seems really integral just now, it might still be misleading. Okay. This is such a fun experience
1: for literally every <laughs> human on earth, because Kayleen's the only person who's seen this movie.
0: <laughs> In the In world? The world. <laughs> Probably. Nobody's seen this movie. Oh. I feel like that's true. Yay! Hey, I'm ready. There's also not a ton of fun facts, so I have a couple, like, kind of obscure This ones. movie itself
1: is a fun fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the movie opens on a boy. I'm guessing 12-ish year old boy. It's his eyes opening. That's all we see. Next shot. It's a boat. (laughs) the boat is named Serenity. The boy (laughs) is a
2: boat and his name is Serenity. The boat is named Serenity. The boat is named Serenity. I
0: honestly would have guessed that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Serenity is the name of the boat. And there's also a little label on the boat that says Plymouth Island. The movie starts with, it's Matthew McConaughey. It's... Jimon Hunsu, I hope I'm saying his name right. So it's the two of them, and they work on this boat together, but it's Matthew McConaughey's boat, and Jimon's name is Duke in the movie. So they're kind of like partners on this fishing boat. And they have two people with them out at sea. Matthew McConaughey is obsessed with getting this one specific fish. Mm. He's obsessed with this fish. It's a tuna fish, Uh. but it's giant Aren't they all? <laughs> it's so that giant big. Tuna? It, it, it like big tuna. <laughs> That's too much tuna. <laughs> 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 it's a big ass fucking tuna. Like he tries to catch it, and the people who paid to be on his boat, like tourists, are like, "Oh, we get to catch the fishy." And he's like, "No, I'll fucking kill your family. I get to catch the tuna." <laughs> and they're fishy. like, "And then <laughs> I wrote in my notes: big old scary fishy. It's very scary looking." <laughs> anyway, he's very passionate about this big old fish, and the people who paid to be on his boat are pissed. Prediction. They're... Okay. His dad once caught the fish and then lost the fish.
2: Ooh, okay. His dad was eaten by the fish. <laughs> okay, cool. His dad is the fish. Cool, 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 cool. His dad is, his dad the, is fish. the fish. <laughs> he's
0: a mermaid. It's fine. Guys, don't worry about it.
2: Matthew McConaughey.
0: Yes, he's trying to catch this big old fish. It seems really personal, like he's trying to catch it many times before. He legit pulls a knife on these people who paid to be on his boat. Because he's like, how dare you try to catch this fish? It's mine. Anyway, he doesn't catch the fish. Now he's back on land. He's at fucking Diane Lane's house, which is Constance, as I told you in the predictions. And they're fucking whatever. And they he, like, you know, gets out of bed. They're fine. They're, they're adults. They're whatever. It is shown that he's doing it for money, which we don't really know what Constance does, but I guess she has money, and I guess they have a kind of relationship where it seems like she's super into him, but he's not into her. And she gives him money. And do you want to hear... This is... I'm sorry that it's coming so early, but this is the best line of the whole movie. Are you ready for it? Yeah. She gives him the money, and it's clear that he's not really that into her, even though she's a queen, and and it's clear she's into him. And she goes something like, this makes you nothing but a hooker. And he goes, a hooker who can't afford hooks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. You're, you're fucking doubling over right
0: now. <laughs> when it happened in the movie, I paused it and I was like, "Wait." Yeah, and I fucking ride out in
1: the living room for a face to be like, "Am I
0: right?" <laughs> who wrote this? Who wrote this film? Now we're in a bar, and there's like the town bartender who everybody knows, right? Very cheers. Everyone knows his name. He's talking about this tuna, but I think everyone in the town kind of knows that he's obsessed with this tuna. He's like, I've tried to catch it for ages, it's become this rivalry, and the bartender says, you give your tuna a name? He says, I did justice.
1: Okay, that's right. the best line in
2: the movie.
1: <laughs> 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 I bet all of his lines are just bangers. Okay? <laughs> yeah.
2: Keep them coming.
0: And, oh god, he's so McConaughey, it's amazing. Yeah, justice. <laughs> Not okay. a fan. I wish I could do a better impersonation, but that's how it sounds. He's in his house. Which you're going to laugh at how it's really not a house later. And he's drinking out of a world's greatest dad mug. To which I immediately wonder... (laughs) Our spiny senses are tingling. To which I immediately wonder, OMG, is he a father? And we instantly see a flashback of him falling... It's either him or a boy falling into the water and like screaming for help. This is a very small part of the movie, but I noted it because I wanted to look into it more. I could not find actual facts on this pertaining to this movie, so I tried to look up other things separate. He goes out on his boat again, which I think he does, like, every day. As he's going out there, he takes a coconut and smashes it over a statue. And as I watched that, I was like, that must be something important. That's probably something religious or ritualistic in some way. They never, like, tell us what region this island is on that he lives on, so I thought maybe I could figure it out from context clues of the movie. But I found this really interesting quote online that's talking about um, this Hindu ritual that says they're talking about these things, I feel like I might pronounce it wrong, but called malams or malams which are like the dirt that hinders our vision of seeking God. And it says, To signify that we have removed these malums, we offer coconut. When you smash it, it removes its outer cover, the husk inside, and cracks the shell. We show the Lord the kernel inside, which is clean and white as our souls, and requesting him for his refuge to save us. I feel like that's what he was doing. It's like, Ow. come help me catch this tuna. i pure at heart. Yeah, so I couldn't find actual facts related to this movie, but I found that and I thought that was cool. Wow. He has this really chunky, annoying dialogue where he can't catch the tuna, and as they dock for the day, so this is like the second time we've seen them out at sea, Baker Dill says to Duke, which is Jamon Hoonsu, it's got, it's the worst fucking dialogue. He says, like, your bad luck because your wife died. You're unlucky. You need to get off my boat. And Duke is very offended, as you would be, if your wife is dead and someone's like, get off my boat because your wife died. But it's like, it's like he says it in this way that seems like he thinks it's justified, but it's so fucking rude. Now we get the introduction of Anne Hathaway. Yes. Her name, which I, I kind of am obsessed with the last name. Mm -hmm. Her name is Karen Zariakis. That's her asshole husband's last name. And so that's her last name now and her son's last name. Frank Zariakis. Frank Zariakis. Yes, she has a son. We'll find out about him. But she has a son. son. So we have Blonde Anne Hathaway, so I wrote Blonde Karen Zariakis. Her ring sparkles in the moonlight or whatever. It's like nighttime. And she looks at Matthew McConaughey, who's at the bar, and he's fucking poor, right? He just like works on this fishing boat. And he's trying to buy like a shot. And she's like, just like this. She goes, I'll get that. And the bartender is like, oh, and looks at her. And there's this fucking weird ass camera shift that looks really unnatural. Like, really quick that goes from, like, the back of her head to the, to the front of her head. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she puts down a $100 bill for his, like, one shot of whiskey. Anyway... They interact in the bar, Anne and Matthew do, so it's this is Karen and Baker Dill. They're in the bar, and all that we hear from her is she says, You were right, and I was wrong. That's the end of that scene. Now they're out on his boat, which again is like a pretty, pretty tiny boat. Like, it's a fine boat, but it's not a yacht or anything. It's Serenity. It's Serenity. And he's out there, and she comes up to him, and they establish that they were married in the past. Of course. So Anne and Matthew used to be married. They also established that he was in Iraq.
2: Mm. So
0: he is an ex... Like He's a veteran. And we don't know much about him besides that. We know that his real name is John Mason, and now he's going by Baker Dill, and he doesn't want anyone to find him. So we don't know if he's done something bad We don't know if he just wants to start anew. We don't know how his relationship with Anne ended. We just know he's hiding from something. Maybe he has PTSD. Maybe he has secrets that we're not supposed to know. I don't know. But she had to try purposefully to track him down. So it was not easy for her to find him. Mm -hmm. She offers him $10 million to kill her husband, Frank Zariakis. That's a lot of money. $10 million, yes. And... He abuses me, he abuses um, my son, he's horrible. Also, she alludes to the fact that her son is their son. Oh Mm -hmm. my
1: goodness. So
0: Anne and Matthew had a son together, and now that son is being raised by Anne and this horrible, horrible guy who is abusive. Spidey senses are tingling. We don't know much about him yet. We only know what Anne has said about him, but it seems like he's almost like too evil to believe type of a thing. And Matthew McConaughey can't take it, and he kind of yells at her, and he's like, get the fuck off my boat, and she leaves. He goes to sail away. I don't know where to. I guess just angsty sailing. This man, which is Jeremy Strong, has a briefcase and glasses, and he's covered in rain, and he's running to try to get Baker's attention But oh no, Baker is sailing away. That's that day. Baker Dill in his house, which I would just like you guys to know, is a fucking shipping crate. And he's there and Constance is there because anytime that Matthew is naked, Constance is just around. And as he's stepping out of his pants, we see full butt, like we see full ass. And my question this whole time is, OMG, are we going to see Matthew's peeing right now? Because he is like, <laughs> and then you guys, he immediately goes and he's gonna go like jump off this cliffside into the water, but before that happens, before I can analyze more of the nudity, they do the weird shift again with the camera like they did with Anne Hathaway. And it almost like, Kimmy, you and I have played, this is like probably the only game we played together, you know how we both played Spider-Man? And that's, like, a very, very new
2: game, right? Yeah, on PS4. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that's, like, not even really fair to compare it to. But, like, old PS1 games, you know how, like... Oh, of course. You rotate the right You rotate, and it goes too fucking quick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? You press Control-L, and it's like... Yes. That's what this looks like. And I'm like, can we chill with these weird-ass camera motions? Because I feel nauseous. So they're doing that, and then he jumps in the water, again, full-ass naked, There's no peen anywhere. And so this is what that Stephen Colbert interview is about, where he asks, like, oh, did you actually jump off that cliff? And Matthew says, most of the time it was a stunt double, but one time I did jump off of, like, a a 50-foot cliff. And he kind of tells him, like, the science of how you need to do it so you don't get hurt. And he goes, people keep telling me that they saw me naked, but I know I was wearing, like, a leotard-type thing, because if I wasn't that flop would have hurt real bad. (laughs) He's like, there's a lot of dangly bits. I don't know if you know this, but that would hurt if it hit the water like that. There's a lot of dangly bits. So, (laughs) (laughs) after he jumps off into the water, he immediately wakes up, but he's in his uh, shipping crate again, like in his place. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up like on his table and there's water all over the table. And as he wakes up, and he's kind of confused. We see now for the first, the first time really a cut of who we suppose is his son. And his son is in his room on his computer and his water is tipped over. And so there's water all over his son's desk as well. And Matt goes, Matthew, Matthew goes, Patrick, is that you? And his son looks over at the water as if he can hear his dad through the water.
1: Very confused, but
0: okay. Honestly, guess whatever you want, you guys.
2: No, I want to hold my guesses. Matthew McConaughey is a ghost the whole time. Okay. Now we have this
0: jump cut over to establish how fucking douchey this husband is, uh, Frank Zariakis. And it's the scene from the trailer, but it sucks. And it's Anne, and she just got out of the shower, and he kind of surprises her, uh, Jason Clark does, because he arrived earlier than he was supposed to on this remote island, Plymouth Island. And he arrives in her hotel room and scares the fuck out of her, and she's just in a bathrobe, and she's scared, and, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, like, I just arrived early, I'm so excited for our exotic trip, whatever. And he kind of, not forces, but pretty much forces, says, like, take off your robe." And looks at her naked body and, like, examines it from the last time he saw it. And he says, like, what's this right here? And she says, it's just a scratch. And then he takes off his belt. And that's all we see of that scene. That's, like,
2: yeah, totally from the trailer.
0: So the next day, Frank Zariakis pays Baker a visit at his boat as Baker's, like, gearing up to go out for the day. And he is kind of, he's just an entitled rich asshole. I don't know how he's rich, but he goes out there and he kind of threatens Baker and says, like, my wife here says you don't want to let me out on your boat. Like, what? You too good for me? Like, why? What's, what's the deal here? And they kind of have a back and forth. And as he leaves, he flashes a gun, implying, mm. if you don't let me out on this boat, I guess I'll just fucking kill you. Mm. And that's that for the day. Now, as he's going out on the water for the day, Matthew McConaughey is, and he's kind of resorted to just catching regular fish for money, but he hasn't really been letting tourists on his boat recently because of the last time when he freaked out and didn't let them catch the fish, right? So now we have that briefcase guy again, and he runs up to the dock, and he's like, Aw, rats! And he looks at his watch, and he goes, Man... That's 20 seconds later than it was supposed to be. <gasps> okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next scene. We're at the fish buyer. The guy who's been buying... I think, I think it's mostly swordfish that Matthew McConaughey has been selling since he's not catching his tuna. So the guy who buys the fish from him says, Oh, hey! This guy actually came here yesterday. It's so weird. He showed up, like, right after you left. And he was looking for you. And... Baker just brushes it off. He doesn't care. Kimmy's got some she's punching
2: the air. She's excited. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what I know what's gonna happen. Then
0: I guess Duke catches wind of Frank Zariakis wanting to go on the boat, and Frank offered Matthew McConaughey ten thousand dollars. Now, that's not the same as $10 million, which is what Karen offered to kill him. <laughs> no, But to not kill a man and get $10,000 is pretty dope. And Duke doesn't know about the murder offer. So he pretty much convinces Baker, hey, we've got to take this $10,000. I cannot survive on the money that I'm making. $5,000 for each of us would be amazing. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And he tries to convince him to do that. But then after that scene, Karen catches wind of this. And says, like, no, you need to kill him. He's ruining my life. She tries to guilt trip him because they've been married and they have a kid. And she says to him, our son can hear you through his computer screen. And he's always talking about this big tuna that you want to catch. Baker feels like there's some telepathic connection because they had, you know, that weird water moment. And she said to his face... My son can hear you through his computer screen and sees you trying to catch this tuna, which is what he is always trying to do. Like, how would he know that? How would Karen know that, right? They're back out on the boat, and they are there with Frank, but it's not clear if Matthew has decided that they want to kill him or not. So it's Frank Zariakis, it's Duke, and it's Baker Dill. They're all out on the boat. And this is when they kind of establish for us just how much of a dick he is, almost almost Honestly, unbelievably so. It's just it's really just there to to make us hate him. And they just they just keep putting these things on us to make him to make us hate him more and more, right? So the next thing to make us, of course, hate him more and more is that he talks about how much he fucking hates his stepson. He talks about how shitty he is and he has no idea that Baker Dill used to be someone else who was married to his wife. Yeah. So they're having this conversation and, you know, Baker does, Baker knows that this is the stepfather of his son, but he doesn't know that this is his stepson's dad. So he's just complaining about his stepson being, like, a little bitch, and he says that he just plays computer games all day, and he says that he plays a game where he's literally just out on a boat trying to catch fish. Oh. And he says, one day I just got sick of it, like, I couldn't stand it anymore, it shows him kind of, like, breaking into the room. And he pushes the son off his computer chair. And he's, like, kind of beating on him. We don't really see it. But he says, yeah, and one day I just couldn't take it anymore. And I threw him on the ground. And I said, like, what are you going to do about it? And this kid says, if I didn't catch fish all day, I'd find a way to kill you. And it's clear that Baker thinks that was dope as hell, right? Mm -hmm. Then we get this establishing backstory that the only cop in town, because this is a small ass town, is not in town for the weekend. And oh, so Of course. Of course <laughs> what right? a So horror movie-esque. And so Frank feels like he can get away with anything. He kind of feels like he owns the island because he's rich as dicks and there's no cops in town. And now we get this establishing shot of the shark. Which is the whole, mm. this was Anne Hathaway's whole plan where she said if you get him drunk, you can get him to try to catch that shark, and the shark will pull him overboard, and he'll get eaten by the shark. So, there is a shark, and it does catch onto the line, and Matthew McConaughey's an expert. He knows how to, not necessarily catch the shark, but how to reel it in. But, of course, Frank Zariakis has such a big hubris that he's like, let me do it! I paid to be on this boat, let me do it. And there's this weird kind of mechanism, I've never used one, but it seems oh, I legit, know what you're talking about. where it's, it's pretty much a belt. Yeah. And you... You plug your fishing pole into it so that you can have a better stance on the fish. So he does that, and Frank immediately gets pulled to the edge of the boat, like he's going to fall over any second. And he's getting pulled over. It's this whole thing where we don't know if he's going to go or not. Now we're at the POV of the shark. Ooh. And the shark is swimming away. And now it cuts, and the POV is on shore. So we just see the boat coming in. And we see Baker Dill on the boat, and we see Duke on the boat, and Karen is on shore, and we're wondering what's going to happen. Frank appears from the back of the boat. He's yeah. fine. Oh. And you know what else? The shark is dead on the boat. He caught oh. the shark, and it's dead on the boat. Oh, no. Yeah. Fine. After this all happens, the Frank is kind of excited that he caught the shark, and he kind of leaves, you know, with the shark all triumphant, and this is... Anne Hathaway's last time to try to convince Baker Dill that he should kill Frank and she says your son wants you to do this he asked me to have you do this he wants justice which is the name he gave to his tuna so to him that's very important and now for the first time in the whole movie he's seriously thinking about killing this guy Mm -hmm. because I think it made him feel like a man to get to catch this shark so he's freaking eager to go out there the next day, Mm -hmm. right? And so her saying the word justice kind of sparked him. Before he goes home, he goes to his boat because he's so angsty and he just wants to be sad. It's raining. So he wants to sit on his boat and like feel sorry for himself or something. And because of all the water, I can assume he hears somebody yell, Dad! from inside the boat. And kind of gets alerted and goes to look inside the boat But then all of a sudden, Anne Hathaway is there. So Karen is there, and she's kind of wearing a stupid-ass disguise. She's wearing, like, a trench coat and a hat. And she just is crying and talking about how she used to be in love with him and how she's still in love with him. And she tries to kiss him. He doesn't really kiss her back. And he says, you know what? If I'm going to kill this guy, it's for my son. It has nothing to do with you, and you and I are not part of the deal. Like, I don't want to be with you. That's not, that's not how this goes. And then she, like, kind of just keeps kissing him and convinces him with just seduction to fuck. And as he's, like, taking her clothes off, he sees all the scratches from her husband. And this part is a real bummer because I think the movie really wants me to be emotional. But so far, this movie is just really not that kind of movie. I'm more just here for the, the craziness. And I wasn't affected by it really at all. And I understand that we've gotten it established that he, you know, beat you for like an hour and a half, which is insane, and that that's what this is from, but I'm just not really feeling that for these characters. I don't really buy that they are what we've been told. Anyway, then he finishes and immediately gets up and says, I beat him. And it's kind of upsetting because... It's as if he thinks that this whole thing was a game, like, my pride is now better because I know that I was able to fuck your husband over by having sex with you, right? Yeah,
2: like, she's being used. I hate that.
0: And that made me very upset, but then I also kind of had to step back and think, well, when she confessed her love to him, was she even being honest? Or did she just want him to kill her husband, right? So I'm Mm. wondering if they're both using each other, and at this point, I don't really know, Right. And it's just a bummer. She doesn't seem, she seems upset, of course, as you would be if you're having sex with someone and they immediately come and get up and they're like, okay, bye, I hate you. But she also doesn't seem devastated the way I would think she would be if she was in love with them. So this happens, she leaves because it's clear she's not needed anymore. It's kind of sad, of course. And we see this briefcase man again because now we're outside of Baker's actual house quote, house, shipping great," And this briefcase man says that he works for this bait and tackle company, and he's been trying to get in contact with Baker Dill this whole time because it's very important. And he says, what I have in this briefcase will change your life. Yes. He says, it's the one thing you've always wanted. And Baker is shooing him away. He's like, this is ridiculous. He says, I have a big day tomorrow. Leave me alone. But the man insists... And he says, no, I know all about your big day. You should hear what I have to say. (gasps) Halfway
1: point.
2: Okay, I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Jeremy Strong is Matthew McConaughey's son from the future. Okay. Okay? Or he, okay, these are two (laughs) different theories. Yeah. Or he's like the avatar of his son's video game. So it's like... It's, Jeremy Strong is. Jeremy Strong is okay. Matthew McConaughey's son's game avatar. Okay. Out in the real world, coming to kind of warn Matthew McConaughey about his future. Okay. Okay, I, I think that there's a time travel element in this, <laughs> okay? Or like a dual reality situation.
0: So, so you're saying in one, his son is creating this avatar,
2: but in the other, Jeremy Strong is his son, right? Those are your two in, guesses? In both theories... Jeremy Strong is still technically Matthew McConaughey's son. Okay. Got it's it, got either it, got that it. Jeremy Strong is truly his son, okay. or he's kind of like a mechanism from his son. Okay, okay. Okay. So then do you guys think that what's in the briefcase is a real thing
0: or like a metaphorical thing?
2: I feel like it's a weapon. Okay. I feel like it's information. Matthew McConaughey has two sons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jeremy Strong is so old. That's why he's time traveling.
1: <laughs> I, I like that. I like that idea. However, like, the amount of grief Kayleen gave us for saying, Diane is the same age as him. <laughs> it's like, then why? Oops. why on
2: earth would Jeremy Strong be like a 12-year-old? Because he's not. <laughs> <laughs> we came out saying... Matthew McConaughey is the son. Yes. We didn't even think about the fact that Matthew (laughs) McConaughey would be the father. No. Okay? I think that we're being led to think now that Matthew McConaughey is the father when he's still actually the son. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) And Jeremy Strong is the father. (laughs) (laughs) Is he the son and the father? Getting way okay. to Jesus Christ I think it's, and Father it's a
0: God, Father you the mean? Son and the Holy Spirit. I know oh which one's <laughs> which.
2: Supposed to be a really wacky, twisty ending that's just ridiculously ridiculous. Okay, so I'm trying to get. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm far away. Okay, I feel. Like I I stand by everything that I just said. I don't think it's sensical, but I believe it. This is I, okay. I'm gonna give you some answers,
0: and I don't want you, either of you, to feel like this means. That either of you had bad predictions, because it isn't. But for future listening, Jeremy Strong is not a son of Matthew McConaughey. Fuck. But I would just like to also confirm that the son I have been talking about is the father-son relationship. I didn't want to tell you guys that when you were guessing in the beginning, because we hadn't seen the son yet. But the son we've seen, like one to three times, that is the father-son I'm talking about. Okay. Cool.
2: Then I stand by my theory that Jeremy Strong is some kind of avatar. Okay. Okay. Of the <laughs> <laughs> Okay? Oh, Kimmy's like, why. this just feels me further. <laughs> yeah, right? This is why. Because Jeremy <laughs> Strong ran up to the boat and was like, that's 20 minutes... Late. I will say that's an important thing. Okay, you should keep note so of. he seems very computer esque. Some, some he has some kind of <laughs> outlier knowledge that the regular humans don't have, and it reminds me of like those. The, I don't know if anybody watched Fringe, but there were these Ooh. timekeeper type characters who all wore suits and knew everything that was going to happen. Ooh. You know, felt like that. <laughs> like he has some kind of pre-existing knowledge about the future or something like that and th- there's just that shit with the telepathy business yeah. like there's something like otherworldly <laughs> going on here okay yeah. it's not just like an island and it's money scam kind of fish boat movie you know it's not money scam what is that movie. Matthew McConaughey movie where he's also scuba diving mud? no no, what? fool's gold Fool's gold. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a fool's
0: sequel
2: fool's gold. to fool's gold <laughs> <laughs>
1: At this point, I just kind of want to um, relinquish everything to Kimmy because I support her theories. Okay. Oh, you do?
2: Yes. Cool. I feel very passionate. I don't know. I feel crazy. You're so psycho about it. I'm
1: like, all right. Her eyes are are
2: big. Fringe. I just feel like I don't want this movie to get me, you know? I want to get it. Oh, I already, (laughs) I I don't care. It
1: can be the fish in the world. (laughs) I'm not after the fish. It is the fish.
0: And I would like to say, even after certain things are revealed, I would love for you guys to keep guessing shit.
1: Because I'm more interested in dissecting and discussing what it is we've learned, so if you want to throw out sim characters and avatars, go for it. Uh, At this point, I think this is the greatest movie ever
2: written, because I don't know
1: (laughs) what's going to (laughs) happen. And to everyone who's seen Serenity, I'm like, oh, good for you. You've seen it. You know. (laughs) Wow, you know the secrets of the universe. Otherwise, otherwise, don't even.
0: Don't even. You don't know what we've been through. (laughs) Honestly, though, dude. Okay. Let's go on to number two. You're going to find out a lot right fucking now.
2: Honestly, second half predictions. Make as many as you fucking want. I'm actually, like, pretty pissed <laughs> that that I'm so like invested. His briefcase. This is not the crazy thing, so don't get too excited. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. His
0: briefcase. It's a fish finder. <laughs> a what? Inside is a fish finder. He's like, this will help you catch your big tuna. So it's wait, literally what radar? Is a fish finder? Radar. It's like a radar. It's like oh, a radar. Okay. It has a little tracky boy, and it goes
2: beep beep. There's a fish. Fish finders <laughs> sound like cheating. <laughs> Guess I'll deal. <laughs> Guess a fish finder's cool. So Jeremy Strong says, you
0: know what? You should go out and use this for a free trial. I don't know. Maybe start tomorrow. Wink, 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 wink. And Matthew is like, huh? And Jeremy says, sorry, Jeremy. Fucking briefcase boy. His name is Reed. I just really like calling him briefcase guy. Oh my guys. God, that's a
1: great name. It's, that is a good it's name. He Reed, looks yeah. straight up
0: like a Reed. All I can say is, we really want you to catch the fish. And Matthew is, like, again, confused. He says, trust me, it will find the fish. I am the rules. And Matthew says, you're what? And Jeremy Strong says, those are the rules.
2: Sorry, those are the rules. I'm fucking, I'm about to be right. (laughs) He's, (laughs) I'm fucking about to be right right (laughs) now. just let me finish this paragraph. And he goes, just
0: catch the fish. Don't kill that man. And now... Fucking Baker Dilla's pissed because obviously this guy knows about his plan where he might want to kill his dude. So he threatens him at knife point. He's up against the wall and this guy says, this is a game that someone made up. Yes! Plymouth Island is a game. Oh, okay. And you are in a game. Catch the tuna. (gasps) I fucking knew it! Okay, so the
1: son designed this whole game and that's why like Fish Finder guy's like, hello, I'm the man who exists in the game. (laughs) No one could control my artificial intelligence. Please, sir, take this fish I will say we're
0: still at a point in this film where I don't want to completely answer all your questions. Okay. That's fine. But from what they're saying, it's like how, say I'm playing like Donkey Kong, right? My goal is like, I need to get up to the top of the game, right? So it seems like it's that kind of game where it's like, your goal is to catch the fish. That's your only goal. You're in a tiny game. So, yeah, he's like, you're in catch the tuna, that's your objective, and that's why you've always thought that that was so important to catch this fish. But now, all of a sudden, for some reason, your objective has changed. And now you think that instead of catching the tuna, you need to kill this man. On Plymouth Island, though, nobody dies. Why would the creator change the rules? He's gone. It's the next day. It is the day. Matthew tries to wake up. His alarm goes off, and he physically cannot get up. (gasps) He has to be controlled by someone? He tries to get up, and then his alarm goes off, and then he gets up. So he woke up just a few seconds before his alarm, and he physically could not get out of bed until his alarm went off.
1: What a great Black Mirror episode this is. (laughs) What
0: if Matthew McConaughey ran on batteries?
1: (laughs) What if you could control Matthew
2: McConaughey? (laughs) What if Matthew McConaughey wanted to catch a
0: fish? Now he's frantic, right? He realizes he can't get up before his alarm. All that shit that guy said to him the day before, he's panicking. So he needs to go look for a map, right? So he's looking through his drawers. We get some more establishing shots where he pushes over a purple heart, indicating again he was in the war. Oh, I forgot he was in the war. You Come. forgot he was in the war? Kelly, you... yeah, that was like a thousand
1: hours it ago. Was. It was a
0: thousand hours ago. And he opens the map and it just has Plymouth on it. And there's like just Plymouth Island surrounded by a ton of water. Okay? Yeah. That's it. And he's very confused. Fun fact about this is that this map has the exact same font as the Grand Theft Auto map which is implying that it's a video game map. Oh,
1: I had no idea video games were a part of this movie.
0: Now he has this moment where, you know, he just sees that this is happening. He feels like he's going crazy. This guy just told him he's in a fucking video game. So he's, like, driving to go to the boat. He pulls over and kind of not has a meltdown. That's not the right word to say, but he's kind of talking out loud to himself And he has a heart-to-heart with his son, telepathically. But we don't see his son saying anything back to him. It just seems like he's kind of trying to vent and hoping his son can hear him. He says some things about having holes in his memory, and he only remembers his son as a boy. He can't think of what he looks like now. He feels like he only spent time with him when he was young. He remembers them fishing together and, like, you know, trying to catch this big tuna which kind of feels like that's why this game is here. He also says that he remembers himself lying dead in the sand. It's
1: because he is in the game, and he's just like, you die and you come back, and then it's like you're you're a character in the game as well, sir. When you
2: die, you die. (laughs) Of course. I feel like the son created his father in this game because he's dead in real life. Yeah, like,
1: they're all real people, but the son is a programmer and has, has made this world, and it's like, in this world I would like for my real dad to kill my stepdad, and he's never even met his real dad. Mm. He just has his fantasy about
0: him, and he's like, kill my dad. <laughs> kill my dad. dad. Wouldn't that be cool, dad? You're not my real dad. So that all happens. All of a sudden, as he's having this crazy telepathic heart-to-heart with his son, who shows up, but fucking Constance's son. Oh, okay. And he goes, it's my Constance's son. And Baker is like, oh. And he goes, you said you wanted me to help on your boat. I'm here to help on your boat. But it just seems weirdly convenient. It seems too convenient, especially with all the stuff that Baker's been going through. And he's like, what the fuck are you here for? He seems like one of those
1: characters in the game who goes... Oh, hello, friend. Are you here on your journey? I will help you through your journey.
0: Courtney, totally. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that happens. It's very weird. And he kind of ignores him and is like, I don't need you. Get the fuck out of my way. He goes back to uh, the bait and tackle store. And it's that same woman. And he's like, I'm going to go out there today. I don't know what I'm going to do. This part's in the trailer. But she kind of says, like, just go catch that fish like you've always been trying to do. And he goes... Isn't it crazy how it seems like everybody knows everything, but what if, in reality, nobody knew anything? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, exactly how it goes in the trailer. (laughs)
2: The the
1: screenwriter of this movie was like, only one man can deliver this
0: (laughs) line. And she kind of honestly does, like, an It Chapter 2 thing where she doesn't speak for a full, like, 40 seconds and then goes... Yeah, so go catch that fish dude, like have a good day. It's very weird. Okay. The programmers up in the universe are like fuck. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they're having a time. We get him going down to the dock. We see this other man, I forget who it is now, but he says pretty much the same thing like, Hey Sam's like you're sure going the wrong way, Buster. And this cracked me up because after seeing a couple instances like this, it just reminded me of those telltale games. The only one that I've ever played is the Back to the Future one, but I love in it when it'll be like, wow, sure seems like Marty wouldn't want to go that direction. (laughs) And I'm like, go fuck yourself. As he's trying to decide and he's driving down to the dock, we see a cut of his son in his room taking out a knife. Then we get another shot immediately after we see the knife. It's Karen in her hotel room, Next to her is an empty space where Frank should be covered in blood. And we don't know what's happening. We haven't seen Frank. We don't know where he is. But the next scene, we see that he's in the bathroom. He's actually still alive, but he is covered in blood. There's blood all in the bathtub. There's blood all over him. We don't know what's happening. Then we get a scene with Duke and Baker, and they're both talking about the the trip of the day, Again, Baker is pretty certain he's going to kill Frank today. Okay. And Duke says, oh, actually, I hired some guys to go break the shit out of Frank's hands so that he can't fish today so he won't come on your boat so you won't kill him. And it really seems like the universe is just trying its hardest to make it so that Matthew McConaughey cannot kill that man today, right? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. But we get this scary scene where Karen is convincing him and it's gross like and this it it leans into his character that we got established earlier but she will not stop calling him daddy and she's like daddy wants to catch a fish today like your hands are strong they're fine even though they're bloody and broken Mm -hmm. and she just convinces him that like oh like I don't know she's just she's honestly in a way leaning into his violent tendencies She's like, see how hard you can squeeze my throat? Yeah, like, you got it, daddy. Let's catch the fish today. And convinces him to go on the boat anyway, even though he's faded as hell from the night before and, like, his hands are broken and there's blood all over him. He's in bad, bad shape. Now we're on the beach with Matthew McConaughey. He's out there, again, kind of trying to decide what to do because he doesn't think that Frank's going to come back. He thinks he's screwed. He thinks that Frank is not coming back and that this will not be happening today. As he's on the beach side, we see suitcase boy roll up and say like, "You know what? I see that Karen has convinced you, and if you think the creator of this game wants you to kill that man, go kill that man." And we get these scenes of Matthew McConaughey on the way to go try to get him to, you know, get Frank to still come on the boat and he's talking to himself mumbling like he was earlier before Constance's son showed up and he's like, what my whole life's been a game. He can't decipher what was real and what wasn't, and he predicts that Iraq was actually just a shoot 'em up game, yeah. and that his whole life has actually been a game. And it's like all this weird little one-liners about what he thinks his life has meant inside of this game of whoever's it is. That's so scary, <laughs> right, Duke? who ends up not going out on the boat, prays over Baker and says that he knows Baker is a good man with good intentions and he hopes the best for him. Karen is on the boat with them. So now it's Karen, it's Baker, it's Frank. They're on the boat. They're going out to sea. And again, she's just feeding his ego and it's fucking gross. And she's calling him daddy and he's super drunk and he says like, she likes to call me daddy. Baker, who can't keep it together, says, Does Patrick call you daddy? And Karen says, John. Like, stop.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. oh no. He said. She said
0: his real name. Exactly. And Drunk Ass goes, What'd you call him? She's like, Nothing. They try to kind of brush it off, but it's clear he's upset. As this whole scene is going on, we see these clips of Patrick. So as this happens, we see Patrick at his computer, but he's opening like a tackle box. Right? Mm-hmm. So he's, like, opening this tackle box. And then, as all... And this is, like, the tension of the movie. You feel it. You feel something's gonna happen in mm-hmm. a second. Yeah. The fish starts pulling on a line, which is just, like, kind of sitting there, right? So the big... Presumably the big tuna starts pulling on the line. As this is happening, the kid is opening the box more. It's constantly going back and forth between the two shots. Baker says, you know what, Frank? Do you want to catch this fish? Like... This is, this is the big boy. Like, we can strap you up. You can get it. And he's kind of taunting him, making him feel like lesser of a man. There's this back and forth where he's like, oh, like, I can do it if you want. Like, you don't seem like you're, you're at your best. Like, I'll do it. And Frank is like, no, I'm the, I'm the best man that's ever existed. And they hook him up to that fucking belt thing again, right? But he's so drunk and probably on painkillers from mm-hmm. his hands being broken. And they hook it up to his belt... As that's happening, the kid leaves the bedroom with a knife. Now Frank goes overboard. And we don't know what's going to happen, but presumably he's getting eaten by the sharks. We see the kid's bedroom door close. Then we see the kid's bedroom door open, and he walks back in with a knife. We cannot tell if the knife has blood on it or not. It's official now that Frank has gone overboard. I don't think there's any redeeming him the kid walks back into the bedroom, like I said. Now we get cuts of a news report. The news report talks about this boy, Patrick Zariakis, and how he murdered his father, his stepfather, Frank, second degree murder. The mother claims that she and the son were victims of domestic violence, and therefore this was self defense. He was only doing it to protect his mother during a drunken assault. They also talk about how his dad was killed in action in Iraq. Yeah. And they show a picture of Matthew McConaughey in his drawer with the Purple Heart, which his son has, and not him, because he died in action. He was a ghost the whole time? That's their twist? (laughs) So now we get... This scene where all that's happening, and we kind of see Patrick in what looks like maybe a psych ward, but he's, it's like he's going to be interrogated, but they haven't done it yet. And they talk about how they need to evaluate him to make sure he's okay, and that I guess, I assume to prove it was self defense and not just cold blooded murder, but he's a juvenile delinquent, so they have to, you know, figure all that out, all the logistics of that. And we get this quote with, Karen and Baker were there together on the island and it's after all this reveal has happened and she says I was telling the truth when I said I love you because when you start to think about it that way she lost him to war it wasn't like she left him for some other man like she always loved him and he died and Mm -hmm. she says Patrick still loves you somewhere you will find him. And we see the stuff about Patrick having a psych eval. We find out he hasn't actually spoken to anybody since it happened. And then all of a sudden, in this video game world, Matthew McConaughey gets a phone call. And it's from his son. And he answers, and they kind of have this conversation where the son says, I did something really bad. And the dad says, you know, I think you did the right thing. And they kind of come to this conclusion where he says, all I know... Is there's a you and a me somewhere, and at the end of the movie, the last scene of the movie is a scene on the dock. <laughs> Courtney looks like she's gonna cry. We'll Honestly, <laughs> it's a scene on the dock, and it's like leading up to the Serenity, and Matthew McConaughey is on the end of the dock, and the boy runs up to the end and they embrace, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs>
2: Are you crying? <laughs> For me! <sighs> Do you want to watch this movie? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> what a dumbass movie and a dumbass trailer this was when really it's like you could have just wrote on this one thing. <laughs> I need to rate this right fucking now. I would
0: like to rate it pretty immediately so we can discuss it. Get okay, ready. Great. Two. One. Oh, <laughs> wow. Kimmy, what's here? Damn. <laughs> These are
1: drastic. Your guys. This is equal to mine. Guys, I'm normally the harshest. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked right now. I proud to be the harshest this week. I truly thought I was being mean
0: to <laughs> it. So I gave it a four. Uh, I gave it a 2.5. I gave it a I love that we do this reveal thing instead of, like, being able to influence each other like we used to. Yeah. Oh, that's good.
2: Um, I gave it a four because... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it a four because I feel like this movie is bad. Yeah. It's bad. That... Wasn't really <laughs> the payoff that I was looking for. It altogether seems fairly anticlimactic uh-huh. for such a drastic buildup. Yeah. Um. So like the twist isn't really earned or no. anything like that. And I, but I feel like I kind of want to watch it mm, just yeah. to see how shitty it is, like in person. Mm-hmm. This movie could have been made without the twist, like for yep. some reason, because it it just kind of seemed superfluous. Yeah. And, and, and I just am a little upset.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. I think that's all
2: valid.
1: Please validate me. Because. Yes. I gave it a 6.5 because I did not want to be a pretentious douchebag that was like, this movie looks awful uh-huh. from the outset. It looks terrible. I didn't see it. No one did. <laughs> so I was I was all set to give it like a 3. And then in your explanation, I was like, don't be that person, Courtney. Kayleen's probably going to give it, like, a seven. (laughs) (laughs) Kimmy's probably going to give it, like, a six. And I was like, I would honestly give this a five. Uh And then I was like, okay, give it a 5.5. Because, like, thinking about my past... Like I gave Jolene that. Yeah. Five is mean, five point five is fair, and then that last bit about the sun got me. Uh-huh. So it, it fully raised me to a six point five. I I get that. But all in all, to me this is a five. I have no reason to rate it as high as I did. Uh-huh. The only reasons going in is like, it sounds awful. Uh-huh. It doesn't sound good. But I stand
0: by
2: my <laughs> 6.5. I will say I was thoroughly intrigued the entire time. I
0: felt very excited by how much you guys seemed interested in what I was saying.
1: But maybe, like I said, when I talked about this earlier in this recording, I was like, I feel like I'm sitting around a campfire listening to this. Yeah. And I'm just thinking now, like,
0: Kaylee, your storytelling was great. Oh, thank you. I was just gonna say, you know what was fun about this? And this doesn't make my other episodes not fun, but I was like, if you dislike it, it's gonna make me a real sad lady, but this week I was very prepared for you guys to dislike it, yeah. and I also gave it a low score, and so this was like almost more fun in a way, because it's honestly probably the first movie that I've had this little stake in. Yeah, you, you know? weren't emotionally attached to The other to ones it. who have been pretty emotionally attached to. So well, I'm this very, was fun. Yeah, I'm
1: very excited to watch this and then later have an
0: addendum where I'm like, that was a one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so with my ratings on this, I I thought about giving it a three because it, it really was entertaining. Um, oh, really? I would say that is the biggest thing going for this movie, is that while you're watching it, you just cannot wait to find out what's going on because you know something crazy is happening. And the actors are very good, and there's, again, there's big name actors in this. So as you're watching it, you're like, wow, this is crazy, what's gonna happen? It's gonna blow my mind, right? So you're never bored. And a lot of movies, even good movies sometimes, I get bored. So this was great for that reason. That was, like, probably the best thing going for it. I've said this before about other characters, it's not that original of me, but Frank was totally a caricature of an evil guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, I'm I'm abusive, it was, I'm abusive to the nth degree and also evil, like, I want to, like, participate in sex trafficking. Like, you're really asking about that and, like, talking shit about your stepson, that just seems very... What are the worst things we could possibly have him do? To come yeah. to this movie's defense, he was created by a teenager.
2: <laughs> that is true. That's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it just very, it seemed to me very much like, guys, you've got to hate him. we got to make sure we don't give him anything that's real. Yeah. Anything that's redeemable, you got to hate him. I would say my biggest script doctor about this movie is that I was so on board with you, Courtney, at the end where yeah. even though I had watched this whole bad movie, at the end I almost gave in. I almost felt emotional because seeing this young boy embrace Matthew McConaughey at the end really did evoke some kind of emotion in me because when you, when you take it out of the story and you think about, this is like a 13 year old boy. And his dad died when he was so young that he probably doesn't even know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. And then his mom, the first person she marries, is so abusive that you want to murder him and then become so abusive that you have to murder him for your own safety.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That all just made me so emotional that it made me want to like it more but ultimately it didn't put it together correctly. And I think that all those video game shots I told you guys about, like when Anne is introduced or when Matthew jumps in the water, could have been very interesting if we were seeing all this from maybe the kids' point of view. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. they were cool and they were creative, but I don't understand why we are following a... I get it that he was a real person who died, but why does he have a consciousness in a video game? It just makes me bummed because... There were so many elements that I think could have really been viscerally effective. Yeah. And because they wanted so badly to give us a shocking twist, it ruined a lot of the movie for me. And I think that that... I really think that going into it, the writers and or directors thought, this will be freaking cool if we give them this kind of twist where it's a video game, but then also his dad's dead. It's like... Or you could just make a compelling story with all the same elements, yes. and I would love it. And ultimately it just seems like, yes, it, it it's awesome that you made your character in the game have a new goal. That, because as a human, you also had a new goal as, I don't, like you said earlier, once I finish catching these fish, I'm gonna kill you. And that's what you do. But the fact that your dad is not your own consciousness It is just a video game character, Mm -hmm. and now you're trying to develop this consciousness. And I also don't really understand in what world you guys are hugging on the dock. I guess I don't need to, but it just kind of even more so alludes to um, the fact that this doesn't all really tie together flawlessly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's just a bummer. The actors are great, and I think there's a lot of great stuff there, but ultimately the only reason for me to recommend it is for the ride.
1: Okay. Yeah. Which is, yeah, get
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, then I think we should get into watchlist items and recommendations. Kayleen here. My watchlist item for this week is Clue. I put this on our Halloween Mm -hmm. list that we made recently. I just was really, really feeling it after we talked all about Ready or Not because it's so similar in a vibe to that and it's Halloween time, and that movie cracks me up. and I haven't seen it in ages, and it's such a Kayleen film, and I would like to watch that again, especially in October. For my recommendation, this is where I thought I would like to share the adjectives I wrote down because they made me laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to recommend Mud, starring Matthew McConaughey and Reese Witherspoon. I wrote in parentheses, it is boaty. Fathery and Matthewy. y <laughs> so, Boaty? Oh my god. I was like, <laughs> what is this word I've never heard of? Boaty, you haven't heard? I was like, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, if you're looking for a film that feels like you're on the bay, if you're looking for a film that makes you feel like you have an older father figure to look up to, and if you just want to see Matthew be Matthew... It's honestly a very, very good film. I hope that doesn't deter anyone. It is very good. Go watch it. Awesome.
1: I can go next. Okay. My watch list adds, I'm going to pull a Kimmy and list three. Mm. <laughs> uh, the first one, because it is Force Friday oh. in the Star Wars fandom, today is the day that a whole bunch of merchandise came out for Star Wars. I'm adding Star Wars Rise of Skywalker to my list. Nice. I mean, it's been there, obviously. Yeah, And um, so is this new movie called Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho. And I think it's going to be a great addition to our 31 thrills Ah. slash fall feels slash spoopy stories. um, Because I have so many of those as well as you two, like Kayleen just said. And on my list for that is The Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Um, So for my recommendation for the week... At the top of our brainstorming session, I really felt like I was reaching, and now I don't. I'm recommending one of my all-time favorite movies, because it really is about a father and their relationship to their child, especially within this realm of they have died, and what's going to happen next. However, it's not the father who's dead, it's the child, and this movie is The Lovely Bones. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. I love it so much and the entire premise, the the world that is built by Peter Jackson and just once Susie has died and has crossed over into this in-between world before she gets to heaven and I cry every time I watch her get to heaven and so maybe that's why Serenity got to me. (laughs) I'm sure it's not as deserved and it's probably not as good as The Lovely Bones but I really... Love, love, love the Lovely Bones. Yeah, starring Saoirse Ronan, directed by Peter Jackson. The dad is Mark Wahlberg, so get ready for that. If you want to watch it, please do. It's it's amazing. it is good, yeah, yeah. That's good.
2: Okay, so for my watch list, ad it's um, about time. And I know you mentioned that really? earlier. It's been on my watch list for. a you seen a little it? while. I haven't seen it. You know, You've what? Never seen it either. I we haven't watched it together. And my sister has. Oh, and what a pitch. It's very rare that she's seen movies that I haven't seen, and she she called me up and was like, "You have to watch this. It's so good." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And you're like, "Let me have one of my actual film press recommendations." <laughs> yes. Movies. Um. And my recommendations. I I have two recommendations actually. I'm recommending them because I think that they both do what this movie tried to do ah. in a better, slightly different way. Okay. So on one side I have Invisible. It's like kind of the same thing, fun, but yeah. like not in a stupid way. <laughs> and then this movie, the second movie, The Island. Okay. And that's with Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. and the guy who plays John Coffey.
0: Oh, uh, Michael. I want to say it's Michael Duncan
2: Clark. It's something like oh that. Totally his name. Yeah, his name. And he's not in it for a lot of the movie, um, but it's very. Strange, like I, I, don't know. When you started talking about the video game situation, mm. this felt really like that. Okay. This movie is it's, it's really messed up. It's super scary, but also super sci-fi and interesting. Okay, and just, just a really unique concept. I feel like this movie is trying to be two things, and it's not doing either of them very well. So, Serenity, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. watch one of these, because it's better.
1: Cool. Uh, so, to tease next week
0: and what we will be doing, I mean, Courtney to, just, and to I... just
1: straight up tell you what next yeah. week
0: is. so next week, Courtney and I, we, we had a long, hard decision, because we really have decided that one of our favorite things to do is bad movies, and we were like, mm. it's October? Let's do a bad Stephen King. There's like 40 plus Stephen King movies. I'm not even kidding you guys. All of them Like 40 plus. There's not, no. And so we were looking at a lot, but we ultimately decided on one that is both highly and lowly regarded, Children of the Corn. Gear up, bitches. Next week, that's what we'll be discussing with Kimmy. If you're over 18, watch your back. Yeah, that's what I heard.